Has the COVID-19 pandemic set new sustainability standards? What role does risk mitigation play in an economic recovery? And what steps are being made to prepare our supply chains for the distribution of a coronavirus vaccine? Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV-TV. Five channels of streaming video are yours for the viewing on DCV-TV. Major improvements have recently been made to the DCV-TV platform to enhance the viewing experience, provide greater search capabilities, and to expand the capacity of the video library well beyond the 3,000 plus videos already in the archive. Be sure to check it all out at DCVTV.com. As usual, our senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin, has the COVID-19 pandemic sparked new sustainability standards? To answer that question, here is Ben and today's guest. Ben? Thanks, Dave. Uh, Here today joining us, we have Chris Wolf, who's the CEO of Powerfleet. Chris has had a 30-year career in transportation logistics. Uh, he ran the Omnitrax division at Qualcomm, and he's also held senior technology management positions at Roadway and Leaseway Transportation, now Penske Logistics. Thanks for being here today, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me, Ben. We, we have some interesting material to talk about today. Um, as the COVID-19 pandemic has highlighted many vulnerabilities in global supply chains, uh, we've seen the rise of some innovative technologies to ensure adaptability and to minimize disruption. Can you share some examples of what you've seen? Uh, one great example is what we did with the French uh, Red Cross taking medical supplies for COVID and Ebola, um, basically PPE as well as uh, ventilators and medicines into the Congo from uh, from France. And this 10,000 kilometer journey made sure the, uh, everything arrived on time and in the right condition. So again, it's a phenomenally applicable uh, story for what we're talking about. It absolutely is. And, and as you say, it, it's an interesting point, um, but th- th- for COVID and Ebola. So um, these pandemics, uh, it's easy to lose track of in, in the current crisis, but it's something that we've uh, been dealing with uh, for some years before uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic itself came around. So uh, some of those changes that, that we've been talking about have already forced uh, more efficient methods of transportation, mm-hmm. monitoring and compliance. Uh, but will they still be used in the post-COVID world uh, once vaccinations and treatments have allowed us to return to some form of new normal? Absolutely. And what's enabling that, too, is the the price curve and and the capability of the networks, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone's heard of the 3G to 5G migration that's going to happen. That's going to allow uh, sensor data and battery technology to last longer and uh, be more cost effective. So, again, what you normally would do for a very high value pharmaceutical shipment or for a medical supply shipment or blood supplies or whatever now can actually uh, work its way through the supply chain. Uh, for other essential goods that have to be there on time. I mean, we actually saw that in you know the COVID pandemic early on when you couldn't even get toilet paper, right? It's like, we needed to have that visibility so that we can react quicker throughout the whole supply chain. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, and visibility uh, for, for any listeners to this podcast it, is a, uh, a theme that we've been talking about for years uh, in the logistics sector. So um, that, that improved capability would, uh, would allow companies to, to fix a lot of their current pain points, I know. Exactly. Uh, so looking at the evolution of some of these things um, from logistics practitioners' point of view, is there a cost uh, to applying some of these new methods and uh, how do companies pay for them? 
great question. I mean, historically, you know, most people were focused on the $700 billion logistics costs like in the United States. That's what it costs to move the freight. But the freight itself is $15, $16 trillion of value, right? So if you can actually track the freight itself and the freight can be self, uh, self-aware, I mean, you know, just think of the power that gives the the whole supply chain uh, instead of just tracking the trailer, tracking the refrigerated unit, tracking the truck, tracking the chassis or the container. You know, now you can actually go down, like I, I mentioned before, to the pallet level, to the container level, to the returnable. And I think all that is within reach now versus uh, technologies that were in play over the last 20, 30 years. And that that will actually not only enhance visibility, but velocity. Right. So now with the ELD and the HOS mandate, you know, the choke point is, you know, the driver can only drive so many hours. So the choke point is actually now, you know, at the port, at the railhead, at the facility. And uh, the technologies can actually help that whole supply chain be more flexible and more visible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, that there's plenty of improvements to be made in that for sure. Um, so as well as enabling uh, more adaptable logistics operations, as you're describing, um, will the changes also impact uh, those business users' supply chain carbon footprints? Uh, since I know many companies are trying to make their supply chains more carbon neutral in the near future. Yeah, I and mean, you've seen a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of fleets are actually moving more to electric or, or hybrid technologies in their vehicles themselves. Uh, our technologies and, and many uh, other players who do mobility solutions actually help that on a grand scale because what we help uh, companies be is more efficient. So eco-driving, driver behavior, um, making sure you're not using too many assets. You know, do you really need three to three to one uh, tractor to trailer ratio or trailer to tractor ratio? And in private fleets, it's even bigger than that. Is your re- refrigerated unit running too long? You know, that's just wasting fuel. Uh, you know, there's technologies today that we, you know, that we have that can enable customers to not have as many trailers. Well, if you don't need as many trailers, that means you didn't have to manufacture them. So your carbon footprint goes down. So again, our whole goal is to help companies run more efficiently and at the same time run safely and securely. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really two sides of the same coin, isn't it? Yes. And and by the way, one other, you mentioned COVID and, and the impacts of simple things that have been done and, and uh, like access control of a vehicle. You know, if you're doing key management manually right now, I, a lot of people still do that, right? Keys for the yard mule, keys for the forklift. Uh, you know, that's a lot of human-human interchange of keys. You don't need to do that. I mean, you know, basically we have wireless ignition systems and, and card key access. If you look at the simple things like checklists, which are mandated, you know, OSHA mandated uh, requirements, if you're doing those manually still and handing those into somebody administrator in an office, I mean, again, those are touch points that you just don't need to have. You know, that if you eliminate all those touch points, you know, you, you kind of enforce social distancing in the facility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Follow-on effects are uh, critical. Yep. Uh, so we, we've talked about uh, some of the, the effects of, of this evolution on, on PPE de- uh, deliveries, on, on um, COVID transmission, on carbon emissions. Um, can some of these changes also help companies deal with different types of disruptions? Uh, I mean, as we know, there's always something new around the corner. I think one thing we all learned, I mean, if, if you step back and take a holistic perspective of supply chain, and this is where, you know, the government could really help. I mean, to be honest with you, it's where's FEMA, you know, in, in the COVID response. Um, we need a centralized, whether it's the government or the industry steps up, it's that centralized visibility, right, of, uh, you know, like ventilators. That's a great example. PPE, you know, some states had them, some states didn't. You know, who's actually doing the 
the true logistics oversight and moving uh, much needed goods and essentials where they need to go. And I think uh, companies in our supply chain have that capability, they have that expertise, but you know, they need to be brought together and orchestrated uh, for the greater good at times like a COVID pandemic, a hurricane as an example. Uh, really interesting conversation, Chris. Uh, I, I appreciate your joining us today. Hey, thanks a lot, Ben. Take care and be safe. Uh, but to yourself as well. Thank you. Uh, we've had Chris Wolf with us here today. He's the CEO of PowerFleet. Um, and back to you, Dave. Thank you, Chris and Ben. Now let's turn to some other supply chain news from the week. Victoria, you reported this week about how many executives are looking at risk mitigation strategies and how they may help usher in a sustained economic recovery. Can you share more? Yes, absolutely. So uh, companies are, are uh, up and down the supply chain are refocusing on uh, risk mitigation strategies in light of COVID-19. Um, there's been a lot of research on this topic since the pandemic hit. Um, but recently, uh, or I should say this week, we have uh, looked at a study from Infosys Consulting that said that most supply chain executives um, experienced a 25% or greater supply chain in impact from the pandemic. The study also found that many of those organizations were, um, as they termed, overconfident in their ability to manage uh, the recent disruptions. Uh, about three quarters of those surveyed said they felt at least somewhat prepared for a disruption pre-COVID-19, but only 39% said they felt that way during the pandemic. Now, I should say that Infosys interviewed 80 supply chain executives from eight countries around the world for the report. And as a result, what they're seeing, and many others as well, is a renewed focus on, as you said at the beginning, Dave, risk mitigation and sort of business continuity planning. Specifically, interesting in this study, they said um, that you know respondents were looking at managing certain supply chain processes in particular moving forward. And the top three were demand forecasting, readiness and continuity planning, and inventory management. I should say on the plus side, despite all these challenges, um, most companies are optimistic that their organizations will recover from all these pandemic related disruptions in a matter of months, not years. Uh, most respondents said they expect their businesses to recover in nine months or less, and more than 60% said they expect that recovery um, in less than six months. So despite the challenges ahead and the need to really kind of look at these issues, most companies are optimistic they can sort of overcome it and, and improve. So is there evidence that companies are taking risk more seriously, given the unprecedented scale of the pandemic? What steps can companies take to better manage their disruptions? Yeah, that, that's an important point. So, you know, the point about overconfidence, it's, it's really understandable. Um, this pandemic is not like anything anybody uh, expected. So to, to think that you can kind of manage, you have a good plan in place before it happens and then not feel that way now is, is certainly understandable. But yes, I think there is, um, there does seem to be a seriousness attached to this renewed focus on business continuity. I've been looking into this subject for um, another story that's upcoming. Um, and many supply chain risk management firms, consultants, tech providers, those kinds of companies that I've talked to say they're seeing um, an increased interest in their service and what they are calling sort of a mindset shift when it comes to risk. Uh, one person I talked to explained that, you know, a lot of companies are really viewing business continuity as it's not optional anymore. It's as a vital uh, part of their business. Um, in particular, they say new and existing clients are looking for tools and services, mostly technology tools, uh, that can really help them improve communication with supply chain partners and implement different strategies. One is, uh, you know, supply chain mapping, in which you'd create sort of a detailed plan 
or um, reference about your supplier's locations and their supplier's locations and that kind of thing. They also say this, they're seeing growing interest in tools that can help them evaluate issues like their inventory strategy, um, you know, finding ways to better manage, or I should say better position inventory to respond to fast changing customer demands in these kinds of situations. And that's leading to things like nearshoring, onshoring, just sort of, you know, relocating um, your inventory. So those kinds of things are popping up. And and yeah, the people I talk to say there is, this does seem to be a, a, a serious focus on this. Well, let's hope so. And I think we've all learned that resiliency and mitigating that kind of risk have been keys to business survival this past year. Thank you, Absolutely. Victoria. You're welcome. Turning now to Ben, we know that several large trials are underway to find an effective vaccine to fight COVID-19. And what, that's one of the things we've written about in DC Velocity. Um, is the enormous challenge there will be in distributing them once ready. You wrote more about that this week on some of the initial plans. Can you tell us more? Absolutely, Dave. Um, it, it was ties in very closely to what Victoria was just talking about with some of the COVID-related business risks and um, recoveries from pandemic-related disruptions. Uh, what some of the logistics uh, performers in, in the area are now warning about uh, is that while no one knows when exactly a vaccine might be available, um, the, the challenge of distributing it around the world might be one of the biggest logistics operations uh, that, that anybody's ever done, the uh, biggest in history, some are saying. Uh, the International Air Transport Association, or IATA, um, this week warned of what they call potentially severe capacity constraints in transporting vaccines by air. Uh, in fact, I had a calculated that providing a single vaccine dose for the world's 7.8 billion people, that's about how many people are on the globe now, would fill 8,000 747 cargo planes. Uh, and that comes at a time when the air cargo sector we've seen has historically low freight capacity. Uh, and that's because of coronavirus travel restrictions and many travelers are wary of boarding planes. Uh, and of course, as much as 60% of air freight uh, flies in the belly uh, compartment of, of those passenger jets. So uh, it, while it's true that you know developed economies uh, that have local virus manufacturing can offset some of those flights through land transportation, um, the scope of the challenge is going to be the same. And certainly getting a virus to all corners of the world uh, is going to involve a, a lot of reliance on uh, air freight. Yeah, especially since that uh, air freight has to be temperature controlled, and so the shorter the duration, the less you have to control that length of time that it has to be uh, exactly right. in a temperature zone. Are you seeing any companies in the logistics center preparing to meet those challenges? We are, and uh, your, your point about the temperature control uh, it is exactly on for that. We saw uh, DHL Global Forwarding, uh, which is an air and ocean freight specialist, uh, announced a series of technology enhancements just yesterday uh, to its life sciences and healthcare line. Uh, it rolled out uh, a lane risk assessment software tool uh, to gather more data from sensors and IoT devices. Um, it digitalized some of its operations, like its standard operating procedures uh, for biopharmaceutical shipments. And it has a new interface uh, for a tracking portal for temper temperature controlled shipments, as you pointed out. Uh, another example is that uh, Kuhn and Noggle, uh, the, the global freight forwarding provider, uh, said it had just opened airside. Air pharma and healthcare hubs in Brussels, Belgium, and Johannesburg, South Africa. Uh, and that's important because an airside hub uh, can support direct tarmac access to a, a cargo plane, 
which is critical for handling those temperature sensitive products, uh, which have very low or to no stability outside of those ranges. So you can really whisk them uh, from temperature controlled uh, warehousing uh, right into the airplane or vice versa. Well, hopefully those preparations and more will continue so that when the vaccines are ready for the world, our logistics networks are ready to also respond. Thank you, Ben. Of course. We encourage listeners to go to dcvelocity.com for more on these and other supply chain stories. Go there to check it all out. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Thank you, Dave. Always interesting. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, our thanks to Chris Wolf of PowerFleet for being with us today. We encourage your feedback on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by DCV TV. Be sure to check out the latest videos on dcvtv.com, the largest and best source of videos for the supply chain industry, including DCV TV Channel 4. This viewer-contributed channel includes hundreds of videos that DC Velocity readers and industry suppliers have uploaded directly to the channel. Stop by often to see the latest uploads. Again, go to dcvtv.com to view them. We encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Logistics Matters to find us. Our new episodes are uploaded each Friday. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters, when we'll talk to Gartner about how close Internet of Things technologies are to making an impact on logistics. Be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.